0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you.
1: Do you need new clothes? If you're like me, then you certainly do. Anti-Forever USA is where you need to be to get those clothes and they got everything from hats and beanies to t-shirts and long sleeves to hoodies and windbreakers with more clothing coming soon. My listeners... Get 10% off using the promo code PLATTE. That's capital P-L-A-T-T-E. Link is in the description of the podcast. Shop Anti-Forever USA today. Alright, hello everyone and welcome back to Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host Chris Platy, and joining me is, I got a guest this week and it's Noah Loftman. Noah, how you doing? I'm doing
0: great, Chris. I'm very excited to be on. Lot of stuff going around in the basketball world. As you know, a lot of drama. So whether you like drama or not, there's got, there is a lot of side, side shows and drama going on and I'm sure we'll talk about some of it. So I couldn't be better to be on this show right now.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, unfortunately, I'm not one for the side drama, but it is January, or sorry, February, and we need to spice things up a little bit before All Star Weekend. So let's start with the sweeping storm that is the the New York Knicks, the uh, the continuous train wreck that just keeps happening over and over again. Uh, and and so Charles Oakley went to the Knicks game. Um, I don't really know how he got the tickets, but he got tickets to the game. He claimed he and- bought them. <laughs> yeah, he claimed he bought him, and essentially, essentially, he just sat next to, um, well, adjacent to J- uh, to James Dolan, the Knicks owner, and uh, then all of a sudden he was thrown out. There's physical. Oakley is a very physical player back in his day. He's very confrontational, very, um very a very bold and strong personality, if you will, and uh, so you know things escalated. More than they needed to when uh, when ten security guards approached him, and then he was just uh, forcefully dragged out, and uh, no punches were really thrown. Um, as far as like as far as like the security gu- the security guards actually, I think in my opinion handled it pretty well. It mm-hmm. was just uh, it was just to me to me it was just the the whole issue of of how they escorted him out and everything, and how they started with ten people, and you know, and and things. And, and, Things were just a lot – there was definitely a lot of ways to uh, – d- better ways to go about it. Noah, what's your take on this whole Knicks situation?
0: It's classic New York basketball, and I kind of alluded to it earlier. Some of these organizations in the NBA – and it's getting to the point where it's like most of them. The sideshow and the drama overtake what's actually happening on the court, right? The other night, the Knicks played a really great basketball game. They beat the San Antonio Spurs, and the biggest story had to do with James Dolan. And nobody was talking about the fact that they beat the Spurs and played a great game. I mean, some people were talking about Mello's great quarter, but most people were talking about the stuff on the side. And really, ever since this guy, James Dolan, took over as the Knicks owner, they've been an absolute train wreck. Uh, The year before he took over, they were in the NBA Finals, and since then they have been a horrendous, horrendous franchise. And this is just classic New York Knicks, as you said, February, not much going on drama. And I think a lot of it is really ridiculous. I think James Dolan has a lot of issues. I don't like what he said in his press conference afterwards when he said that when he you know bought the team he he knew that all the all new york fans hate all the owners which is not true they hate the owners that lose and have horrible public relations like he does so as you can tell i'm a bit heated with this topic but i'm just spitting truth at least i feel that way
1: yeah i mean you haven't said anything wrong i mean to call the new york Knicks a dysfunction is now is now a fact if it wasn't already right and um so one thing one other layer of this which this was honestly the worst layer of it and we'll get to what happened before it because believe it or not there was another sideshow before the before this event and so oakley oakley after he was ejected the nicks release a press statement and they say you know blah 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 he was ha- behaving in abusive and um he was behaving in an abusive manner since since the when he got there, and the last lines were, um, "We hope he gets the help he needs," and I'm sure I'm sure Noah, like when you read that, you you felt the same way I felt, which was, I just got really mad at the New York Knicks organization because obviously that implies that there was some level of tox- intoxication, and whether there was there was some and there's some, he has some type of 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 alcoholic abuse problem or or drug problem of, of of any kind. And so to me that's just going way way over the line cuz one if if he does have a, have a problem, it's now public, it's now out in the open and the New York Knicks shouldn't have the right to be the ones that put it out in the open. That should be Charles Oakley's decision if he has that problem. And two, if he doesn't have that problem, that's just even worse and that's not only offensive to Charles Oakley and damaging of his character. I mean, we live in the era where public opinion reigns supreme. So somebody can read this, can read the article saying that he has a that he might have an alcoholic problem, but they, they might not read that, catch the article that says that that was a false report. And now for the rest of their life, they think Charles Oakley has an alcoholic, uh, an alcohol abuse problem. And, and it's even more insensitive to the people that actually go through it. So, I mean, that was to me the worst part of the whole ordeal Forget about the just ejecting him because him and James Dolan, obviously, there's it's well-documented. They're, they're beef, I guess you can call it. So forget all that. I mean, that, that last line of that PR statement just really, really got on my nerves.
0: I absolutely agree. And it's another example of the Knicks and more so the higher-ups in the Knicks organization. Like the owner, like Phil Jackson— refusing to take ownership for their own actions it's just it's really disheartening and disappointing um we all know i think at this point is a fact that phil jackson has been an awful president of basketball operations for the knicks i'm not saying he wasn't a great player wasn't a great coach but as the president of basketball operations for the new york knicks he has been absolutely awful i mean we can list all, all the horrible moves, even this recently in the offseason with Joakim Noah and Derrick Rose. He has not made smart decisions, and he blames it on other stuff. And James Dolan, when he's talking to the press, refuses to answer questions and says, go ask Phil. And it's always, let's blame the next guy, or let's not deal with the problems in front of us. And I can't believe I'm even saying this, because New York is a huge city filled with lots of sports success in the past. But as far as Knicks fans go, I I actually feel bad for them. I I, I really do. Like, I don't really know what it... I, I mean, we've been Pistons fans for a while, so we know what it's like to be a fan of, you know, a losing organization. But I feel like this is a different level. This is not only a losing organization, but an organization that disrespects its former players, its history, and its fans. It's really awful.
1: Yeah, I mean, Charles Oakley is one of the most beloved Knicks ever. I mean, he was just a role player, tough guy, uh, on on arguably one of the Knicks' best uh, best years as far as their franchise go. Obviously, it wasn't better than their '70s runs when they won titles, but I mean, after that, the '90s was their best era of basketball, and he was mm. a key part of it. So to disrespect him, and to me, the whole thing felt like I could I could to me it was very reminiscent of Dan Gilbert's letter. Now the difference was that that James Dolan hid behind the PR staff of it but to me it just it 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 reeked of James Dolan writing that press release like taking a shot at or maybe not writing it but but putting that shot in that in that press release because it seemed it seemed way out of the blue and extremely personal
0: yeah no i absolutely agree it's not something i uh, appreciated at all And I think the Knicks are in a lot of trouble, just with everything. I don't think they have a bright future. They have one really, really good player, but that's not enough in this league. And the Knicks have just proven over and over again that they know how to blow it. They know how to blow their chances. They know how to screw things up. And I just – I don't know where they go from here. And that's why I said I I actually feel bad for their fan
1: base. Yeah, and I – I would like to look. I would like to I know this is different circumstances, but I would love to see the NBA intervene like they did with Philly. They deny that they did, but they did with the whole Colangelo ordeal. Yeah. They definitely interfered. I would love to see them interfere, shake things up at the very top as much as as high up as you possibly can. They don't have the right to impeach the owner, I believe. Um on, at least under under what he's what he's done so far. Now if he does and now if there's a whole sterling controversy like yeah. or something along those lines, then they can actually act as far as the owner. So I mean, he is definitely the absolute problem. So I don't know if even the NBA interjecting can really change the New York Knicks, but man, if I'm the New York Knicks, I just I just wish I just wish that there was some type of uh that there was some type of way that they could just they could just impeach their owner, start from scratch and just try and build a basketball culture because New York's a great town like when New York is winning free agents will want to come there when New York is not a disaster and not treating its best player since Patrick Ewing like shit then people will want to come there and so let's talk about let's talk about the other thing that happened so earlier that day yes the Knicks not only had that ordeal but they had something before it too they had their 70 year old President of basketball operations subtweeting Carmelo Anthony on Twitter, <laughs> and you know Phil Jackson. I think he tweets like once every blue blue moon. Essentially, I think he's yep. tweeted like two or two or three times this whole season. One was uh, to break off the engagement of him and uh, Jenny Buss, and or Jeannie Bus, sorry, and the other was to subtweet his best player. So I mean, you want to talk about dysfunction? This is just all-time dysfunction. I love how Melo's handling it. Melo said um, in an interview, I forget who asked the question, but I read an article saying that in it, that in a transcript, Melo said when they asked him about Phil's quote, they said he got it wrong. My favorite animal is a black jaguar. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and so, um, man, this this whole thing is a mess and. You know, I had a friend talk to me before the before the podcast, and he was saying uh, we were talking about this situation, and he was like, "You know, you you were right uh, because I, I talked about it on my last podcast, I think, or or the podcast previous to that, so a couple weeks ago, saying that Mel is not going to get traded, and to me now it seems like it seems like Melo is going to stay. It seems like Mel wants to stick it out. His heart's always been in New York, but man, this whole ordeal is just a mess." How can I don't understand how they can treat their best player since Patrick Ewing with such disrespect. I don't get it.
0: Well, it's what I said before about Phil Jackson just being absolutely awful at his job. Absolutely awful. He has done one correct thing since he has taken over that position, and that was drafting Chris Dapps Porzingis. And nobody really knows for sure how much he had to do with that but you know what? We'll give him credit for that. Other than that, I can't name one other move, one other decision this man made that I would sit down and stare you in the face and say that was the correct basketball move. I seriously can't do it. And it is a shame that this is how the 70-year-old has to act on Twitter, referring to his best player. But I do think there is there is some merit to the side that's arguing against Carmelo and his value to the Knicks. Because I I am not a huge fan of Carmelo Anthony, and I kind of forget if you are or not, and I guess we could talk about it in a bit. But you, you shouldn't disrespect him either way like that. If he's on your team and he's your best player, I get it. But there's just something about Carmelo Anthony's playing style and history with the organization and in the league that's just really unattractive to me and so many others that I do understand at least the side that Phil is on and that so many other Knicks fans and NBA fans are on, which is the get Carmelo out of New York side. So I understand that side really, really well. I'm actually on that side, but I don't like how Phil has handled uh, this situation and how disrespectful he's been. And really, I guess the best word is
1: unprofessional. Well, I mean, look, no, we're like 13 minutes into this podcast, and we have not disagreed. I am, I am a Melo fan, for the record. Not a huge Melo fan. Not a, you know, I, I don't cape for him, but I definitely think he re- re- receives a fair amount, unfair amount of criticism, I should say. Now, as as far as what you said, yes, do the Knicks have every right to want to trade Carmel Anthony? Absolutely that's i mean he's signed to their team he's he's basically a player under under their organization he's no different than Courtney Leon in terms of in terms of if he can be moved or not um, the only thing separating him is a no trade clause but you know any any ro- any player on any roster can be traded if the management decides to trade him you're absolutely right you know and and of course Carmelo doesn't fit the New York Knicks timeline but there's so many better ways they could have done this. They could have, they could have had Melo. They could have had it had a talk with them and said, "Look, okay, we we gave you your money. We we tried to build a contender around you. It's just not working. We want it, We want to move you. We want to move you to mm-hmm. a uh, to a different franchise, and we want to rebuild around Kristaps Porzingis. We believe that's the best move for our franchise." It's no disrespect to you. We just want we just think our our timelines don't match. And that's what it could have been. And if Melo said no, then it's New York's fault for giving him a no trade clause. So,
0: Yeah, no. Absolutely. You know.
1: So, I mean, at the end of the day, no matter how you look at it, it's always going be it's always coming back to be New York Knicks' fault, not Carmelo Anthony's. And Carmelo hasn't, you know, he hasn't really gone against the Knicks. He hasn't really lashed against the Knicks that much in as far as as far as uh through the public, I mean, he hasn't really done anything like that, uh, you know, it's besides a few little shots here and there. But if I was Carmel Anthony, I mean, look, Carmel Anthony, I'm not saying he's the greatest character. Um, a lot of people say he's he's a very high character person. I, I can't confirm that or deny it. So I'm not going to say which side I'm on for that. But I mean, if, if I just put myself in Carmel Anthony's shoes, I'm the best player the Knicks have gotten in 19 years. And... They and all of a sudden they are treating me like shit. When I have given them everything, I've never complained. All I've done is talk about how much I love being in New York, how much I wanna, how much I wanna retire in New York, mm. how my heart is in New York. But I You're just right. yeah. But, I I mean I mean so, so I what's to, wrong to, with Carmelo?
0: Yeah, I just got to screw with one thing there. I think okay. he has done some things in the past with the Knicks that have been. Particularly selfish. Let's just go back to when the team was probably at its best since Carmelo signed with them, and that was through the Lin Sanity era. You know who ruined Lin Sanity? Mello. Because he didn't like he didn't like the fact that he was the second guy, and Coach D'Antoni was saying, Hey, hey, you need to be outside the perimeter where Lin, you know, Jeremy Lynn's gonna drive and then kick out to you, and you're gonna be open every time. And and for a while it was working. But Carmelo did not like that, so he started moving into his good old mid-range jumper and not listening to the coach or doing what was best for his team. Instead, trying to preserve his own status, his own, you know, I don't know if the character is the right word, but certainly his stature in the league and how people perceive him. It seems like forever, Chris, he has been... Mr. stats, Mr. money. And he's already said stuff like I'm just a businessman. He has shown little to no signs of being committed to winning. I mean, as long as it means he's the number 1 guy and he can do what he wants, he he's fine winning. But if it means he has to do something that he doesn't want to do or be the second guy in the offense, he he doesn't care. He's not he doesn't want to win. He'd rather get 25 a game and get paid. And we've seen this from him for throughout the majority of his career. We've seen his lackluster effort on defense. So, I mean, I hate to say it, but as I said earlier, I'm definitely on the anti-Carmelo uh, side. I don't like him as a player. I don't know if he's a good guy or a bad guy. But as a basketball player, I, I just don't respect him that much.
1: Oof. You know you make a good point and like i i can't argue a lot of that because you're right about the whole insanity thing and you know and, and, and all that with the numbers and everything but i i think part of it is like i mean i mean come on they were they were trying to assert jeremy lynn as a star i mean and look at what jeremy lynn is now like i mean i mean can you really blame him like Players know better than anybody in the league who can play and who can't. They know better than the scouts. They know better than the owners. They know better than uh, the coaches. Players know game recognizes game, the old saying, and that and that's very true. In the NBA, players, it's it's a fraternity. They all know who can play, who can't. So Carmelo Anthony's looking at this guy like, okay, he's good, but he is not this all-star superstar that everyone claims him to be. And look, Jeremy Lin is not that star. I think Melo is perfectly fine going with, with the situation. If LeBron were to come to New York, I think he would have taken a back seat. I really do. I think Carmelo Anthony is just. I think Carmelo Anthony is, and can you blame him if he doesn't want to take a back seat to a player that's not better than him? He's. I think he just has a different view of what's of of what's best for an organization. I don't think he's doing it just for the attention and everything. I think that's definitely a part of it. But I think he genuinely thinks that, okay, I'm better than this player, or me shooting 25, 30 shots a night is helping the team. I think he genuinely thinks that. Now, as far as a businessman, you're right. He has said multiple times he is always a businessman, and that is one of the biggest reasons why I say he's staying in New York is because there's been many articles that confirm that he and James Dolan, he wants to stay in New York so that he can keep that tight connection with James Dolan and they can, uh, and he can set up a lot of great business opportunities in a city like New York post playing career. Mm-hmm. So there, so there's definitely reasons why Carmelo wants to stay, and there's definitely reasons that go beyond basketball. So he's not, he's not. I'm never gonna say he's a perfect player. He's a perfect team player, but I mean. You look at how many people around the league respect him. I mean, not many players don't respect Carmelo. There's got to be something to it. There's got to be a different side to Mel that we just don't see.
0: Yeah, no, I absolutely agree uh, with, with that whole assessment of Carmelo Anthony and the fact that players don't respect him that much. And I think the fact that there you heard all those rumors about the Knicks and Cavs talking about a trade and the Celtics and the Clippers and all of those teams saying no... That speaks volume, I believe, to the type of player Carmelo is and his value in this league. But I, I personally feel like we've spent a little too much time talking about the Knicks for how dysfunctional and, in my opinion, just straight-up bad they are. So it is your show, though. If you want to continue talking about New York, I can rant. Or we could talk about some more fun things in the league.
1: No, yes, yeah, so let's definitely get to some fun things. Um, you know, I was just waiting for your response to that to to kind of move on, so you yeah. set it up perfectly. So we'll we'll get real brief on this, but um Katie's return, one, did you watch the game and two, what were your thoughts about you know the crowd, the whole Russ mm-hmm. versus Katie thing? I mean, is it is it really this big or are we making it too big of a story?
0: So first thing, I did watch the game. Secondly, it was pretty much everything I expected. I thought the Warriors were going to win. I mean, it's simple as that. They have the Thunder's number. And I also thought Westbrook would have a crazy Westbrook game where he's just going to try and do everything, which he did. Which, you know, there were some positives on that stat sheet in terms of point total and rebounds. But there were some negatives with turnovers. Classic Russell Westbrook. We expected it. Uh, But in terms of how big this story has gotten and your question with that, I actually think it's as big as it should be. I mean, this is a big deal. This is, in my eyes, and maybe we'll, we'll disagree here, but I actually felt that this D- Durant leaving and going to Dur- uh, Golden State was much, much worse than LeBron leaving Cleveland and going uh, to Miami. And mainly just because of the fact that Durant went to a team that already won 73 games the year before, should have probably won the title, two years in a row, beat his team after he was up 3-1. You know, the whole shebang. I've heard, I'm sure you've whole, heard that you know a million times, so I don't need to keep rambling there. But if he would have went to literally any other team, even the Spurs or the Celtics or the Raptors, good teams, just not the Warriors, I don't think people would have been as upset. Because I think we all understood that he wanted to get away from Westbrook. The two weren't playing great together. He was in OKC for nine, ten years. There's been a bit of dis- dysfunction. He doesn't love out what he has to do there and he wants to play a different style. But man, if he didn't expect to be ridiculed and called a coward and a villain after deciding to go to Golden State, then the dude is an idiot. I'm all for him doing what he wants to do in terms of being a basketball player. But as long as he knew beforehand and is absolutely fine with being a villain and being labeled a coward then that's good for him that's my take
1: <laughs> okay okay so as as far as the whole kd return goes you think that it's that it's properly it's properly uh i don't know the attention is proper and deserving of what it should be uh, well it's an I, interesting story yeah yeah um i i I agree with it. Um, you know, I'm personally not that interested, but I get the whole thing. I mean, I mean, he's one of the top two, three, four, five players in the NBA, and you know, he leaves a team that he's been with for nine, ten years to go to another team, a team that set the record seventy three nine. There's so many like you know interesting storylines and everything, but as far as this rivalry goes, or quote unquote, whatever, whatever you want to call it, this. It's just to me, it's kind of ridiculous. Like, it would be one thing if the teams were neck and neck, but I mean, I, I, but I mean, come on, Russ Westbrook and the Thunder are nowhere near the level of the Warriors. They weren't better than the Warriors last year, as evident when they had KD and lost to it, lost to them, and they're certainly not better losing KD to to the Warriors. So, to me. I, I get that they made this first return a story, but honestly after this, I think it should go away like it did with Cleveland and Miami. I mean, I mean it was it was kind of talked about, but not really it wasn't really talked about that much every time LeBron turned to Cleveland after his first time. And I think that that's how this this should go and will go because to me to me after the first return, it just kind of becomes it just kind of becomes reality. It is what it is. It's we've had we've had to settle with this for seven eight months now that Kevin Durant is on the Warriors, and you know we got to get used to love it or hate it.
0: Yeah, I see what you mean, but me, I, I personally am never going to get over it. Like I seriously won't. Like I I will always respect Kevin Durant and admire his playing style, and I still respect the Warriors from a basketball sense. I feel like every basketball fan coach, player at any level has to respect the Warriors and how they play and respect Kevin Durant and how he plays and how he's changed his game this year. But as a fan of the league and as a fan of the history of the sport, I will never ever respect the decision that Kevin Durant made this summer. I don't care if he wins three titles and and you know has these amazing numbers and he's happier. It's just not a move that anyone in any sport, I believe, has ever even come close to making. It is seriously if Michael Jordan joined the bad boys after losing to them. It might even be worse than that. It seriously might be worse than that. So I think in life, forget about sports, there are people who want to take the easy way out, they want the gain without the pain, right? No pain, no gain. They want the gain without the pain. And there's other people who are fine doing things the hard way. And Kevin Durant has just proved to all of us that he wants to do things the easy way. Doesn't mean he's not a great player. Doesn't mean he's not better than Westbrook. I still think he is. Doesn't mean that he's not having fun and making the best life decision for himself in Golden State. What it means is is as a fan of the sport, I have the right to call him a coward and say, Kevin Durant, you made this league, A, less entertaining by doing this, and B, you look like a total
1: sellout. Hmm. Okay, those are very strong words, Noah. I totally disagree. Free agency is simply that. Free agency, choose where you want to go. And you said, you know you said you, you i mean you you basically articulated you you kind of you kind of played defense with it like you know you said that that it's not it's not a it's not a big deal and you have the right to you're certainly right that you have the right to be mad at Kevin Durant but to me i don't man if he wants to go where he wants to go let him go where he wants to go and to me to me this is this is different because Kevin Durant like in the pitches they weren't just pitching yeah you'll win a title they were pitching, let's do something that the NBA has never seen before. And we'll see if they can do it. To me, that's an interesting challenge. Can I, I wanna see if the Warriors can be the greatest dynasty ever, if they can win five and six years or something ridiculous, uh something ridiculous or, you know, Celtic like of the sixties. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's it's a different standard. I think now if, if Durant gets one or two rings yeah, then I think you can be a little disappointed, maybe even a little upset. But for me, I think it's cool from a history standpoint. I mean, Kevin Durant and the Warriors are trying to do something that no team has ever done before. They're trying to achieve and become the greatest dynasty ever. They're not just trying to win a championship. They are trying to be a dynasty and the best dynasty NBA or even sports have ever seen. And so to me, it's very interesting it's very cool, and you know what? Go for it. Who knows? You know, maybe in a year or two, Draymond, you know, finally just, finally just isolates himself from the team because of his erratic behavior, or you know, or Steph's ankle becomes bad again, and they're never the dynasty they could have been. You know, so this whole thing that you know, oh, this sucks. This made the year. This made the league way less entertaining. Yeah, it it, it might for a year or two, but who knows beyond a year or two? Two years from now, this team could be totally different. Things can happen at any moment, and th- and things can change. So to me, I'm highly entertained, and I I still respect KD just as much as I did in OKC.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I, I look, I see both sides, but I just don't. <laughs> I just think that this is just a complete sellout move, right? I mean, I he has the right to go to that team, and I said that. And if he's having more fun there, that's a trade-off. You can trade off the fact that you're going to have more fun and a better chance at winning, but you have to acknowledge that the general public will view you as a coward and and just in a negative way for at least most of your career. And I'm not as big as, of a fan as this whole dynasty thing as you are. I definitely respect dynasties. I find them fascinating. I love, great, I love greatness, but... I don't like it when it's just two teams. Right now, it's two teams, and it, I mean, it might only be one team at this point because Cleveland's looked like a train wreck the past few weeks, or you know, really the past couple months. I think they'll get it together, but you know, the Warriors look like they're on a different level than them. I want there to be at least four teams of do, that that dominate. So, you, so at least, at least I go into April and I'm like, okay, four of these teams can win the NBA championship. That's what the NFL has, right? The Patriots are a dynasty. but You don't go into the playoffs every single year saying, oh my, yeah, the Patriots are in the Super Bowl for sure. At least I don't. And it's not, it's not, you know, a foregone conclusion every year. They went like, you know, 10 straight years without winning a Super Bowl in that so-called dynasty that they've had for the last 16 years. I just think the NBA, I don't know what they exactly do to fix it, but when you have one team dominate everyone – I like to, you know, it's fun to watch that game once in a while when the Warriors play and just go ooh and ah. But when I'm watching these other teams play, when I'm watching the Clippers play the Grizzlies, it's like, okay, they'll end up losing to the Warriors. I'm watching Houston, and I'm like, man, can they really, maybe they'll push the Warriors. And then I remember, no, they have one superstar. The Warriors have four. They're not going to beat the Warriors in a playoff series. Same thing when I look at San Antonio. San Antonio. To me, and I hate to say this because I don't—I never want to wish harm on anyone—but the only way the Warriors don't win the title this year, at least in my opinion, and I think we we have enough evidence to believe this, the only way they don't win it this year is if they get hurt, similar to last year. So, if you're someone like me who wants at least some sort of mystery, you better root for an injury. Which you know, I feel like an asshole for saying it. But it, it, I mean they're just kicking everyone's ass. Number 1 in offensive efficiency, number 1 in defensive efficiency. It's 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 hilarious. It's it's a joke at at this point.
1: Well, you know, I look at it from a different perspective. Wouldn't it be cool to look back and say, "Man, I seen the greatest team of all time in my era growing up as a kid." Everybody wants to claim you know MJ's the greatest, and that's fine. I agree, he is the greatest. But then, why do you think so many people say LeBron's the greatest? They want him to be. They want their generation to be the best. Every generation wants to be the best generation ever, and you know that's just that's just how it goes. And so, there's there's going to be twenty years from now. There's going to be a lot of people that say LeBron's the greatest player ever. We'll see. We'll see where w- what side of the argument I'm on once his career is over. But, I mean, this whole this whole thing about hating KD, it's gonna go away, man. It's gonna go away. They're gonna win a title, and as soon as they win, it it's going to be it's going to be like Miami all over again. Remember how when the Mavericks lost, or, or sorry, not the Mavericks, uh, the Heat lost to the Mavericks in the finals in 2011, <clears throat> everybody clowned LeBron. Everybody enjoyed it. They got all the hate out of their system, and then what what happened? Miami won, and everybody was okay with it. You know, so maybe if the Warriors lose, you know that'll 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 help uh, that'll help soften the stance on KD going to the Warriors. But honestly, winning winning heals everything. It's it's very stereotypical to say it, but it's true. Winning heals everything. A lot of these so called people that are these so called haters of of the Warriors will jump on the bandwagon as soon as they win some titles but that's all i want to talk about with kd so yeah
0: let's
1: get to let's get to some trade talk now the denver nuggets will will receive mason Plumlee and a second rounder for to portland and portland will receive Nurkic in a first rounder what do you think of that trade
0: i am i crazy to think it's actually a good trade for both teams because that's my that was my initial reaction and that's my reaction right now i actually think it is a trade that that helps both teams. Hmm.
1: Okay. Um. I. I mean. I look. I, I think, think it's. Go, yeah, go on. Okay. I was just gonna say that I think it's a steal for for Portland. I mean, Nurkic was an amazing talent last year. They got Nurkic and a first rounder for, uh, for just Mason plumley who was who was he? Was, Mason Plumlee did a good job in uh in Portland for sure uh but and he he filled he filled a nice role for them but Nurkic was was showed a much higher ceiling than Plumley did uh last year when he was before before the emergence of Jokic and so to get that and a first to get the better player and a first round pick a 2017 first round pick which I believe is protected that's I mean still a first round pick is a first round pick that's huge for the uh Mm-hmm. That's huge for the for the Portland Trailblazers, in my opinion.
0: Okay, so I I agree with you that Nurkic is the better player, but we've watched Denver this year, and it's just pretty obvious. It's one of those situations where it's like they Nurkic does not fit with Jokic. They don't fit. He doesn't fit well on this particular team. At least I didn't feel that way after watching Denver this season and a bit of last season. So they had to figure out a way to try and get at least something for him, and and they did. So I think Portland, in a way, they won the trade because they got the better player. But Denver still, I think, comes out better than they were before the trade because now they've just freed up some space and they don't have a player that is detrimental to the team's offensive and defensive flow, if that makes sense. that's That's how I looked at it.
1: Okay, yeah, I agree. I mean and, and Plumlee, I'll give you this. Plumlee, for Denver is a great pickup. He's like he's yeah. a good he's a Denver type of player. He's what they need. He's 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 a great replacement for Jokic because Plumlee's young, he's athletic, he can run with the guys, and he's a free agent, so they don't they don't have to re-sign him if they don't want to. But it was a very savvy move by Portland. They essentially they essentially got a better player, a younger player, a first round pick, and they avoided they well, they delayed shelling money to the center position. Which is which is crucial for a team like Portland who kind of capped themselves out by the whole Evan Turner deal as well as the Allen Crabb deal and CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard and so on and so on. I mean, and all those all those expensive contracts added up. So this was a very savvy move by Portland. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, if, if Portland can get if Nurkic can be in, in a an amazing big I don't know if he can be an all-star big but if he can be a a fringe all-star center then Portland got that and a first round pick in a very talented draft then man this is this could look like a very very good trade because Portland to me that's the one thing you think that they're missing right is it's just better front court play and if you know Nurkic you can argue that Having a guy like Mason Plumlee who just runs the floor, screens, passes the ball yeah. well, and dunks is exactly what Portland needs for a guard-heavy team. But if you get if you can get that plus a plus a guy who can score in the post, who can a big man who can just be an offensive threat, then then this is a no-brainer for Portland, and I'd really like the move. Um, and ag- again, you're right. Uh, Denver had to get something for him they didn't have much leverage i guess uh, at least judging by this offer they didn't they didn't have much leverage and so they uh so they ended up settling for Mason Plumlee a guy they might not keep in the second round pick what do you think do you think they're going to keep plumlee
0: i think they should I, I as you said i think he actually fits the system so i really think they should but it'll be interesting to see i want you to hear my my denver nikola uh, jokic hot take
1: okay what's that
0: I, I actually feel, and I was maybe it's just because I was watching, you know, it's just an awesome Jokic game the other day, but I've watched him several times. I've watched him live, actually, and I've really been impressed, and I love him. And I just feel like if he flip-flopped or switched places with Kristaps Porzingis in New York, I'm not sure there would be much difference in terms of how we – like, I think he would be the Kristaps, and Kristaps would be the Jokic. I think they're very similar, and I think they're pretty much – uh, equal level of talent. That's how that's how high I am on Jokic. and I think just the fact that he plays for little Denver and nobody really cares about them, and Porzingis is out there in New York with all the lights and and the popularity and publicity. That's what elevates Porzingis, and uh, at least makes the general public believe that he's on this totally different level than Jokic. I don't even know if it's a hot take, because I just believe that they're they're on the same level. Jokic is a really good player, and I think he's just been prisoner to the small market, and that's why nobody outside of basketball really knows who he is.
1: Well, with that hot take, you preheated the oven, but I'm about <laughs> to turn it up to 360. He's better than Kristaps. Wow. He's better. He's better. I think he's. I think he's so out of this world good. I mean, the way he passes the ball. I mean the way he, he he's such a good playmaker already which is so hard for young people to do the fact that he can do that uh, a lot of a lot of bigs in this re, in this league can get rebounds and he's definitely among among the top tier of rebounders so I mean the fact that he's in a, he's a near elite rebounder or in that or in that realm at such a young age plus such a good playmaker at such a young age I mean he makes these just He's not just a flashy passer. He's just a really, really sound playmaker. I mean, he makes a lot of great passes that don't end up on the ESPN just because they are in Denver and mm. they're not flashy. But he—he's such a great playmaker. He's shown an ability to score. I mean, he's dropping 40 left and right. I don't—I don't recall. I'm not sure about this, but I don't think Kristaps has had a 40-point game yet, has he?
0: Man, he torched the Pistons this year. But did he get to he 40? But I don't know if he got to 40. I don't I think it was like 38.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, re- regardless, I mean, Jokic is on the same level if not a better scorer than Kristaps. I think he's a better defender. He's got a much better frame. He seems to be a far better playmaker. Man, I'm all in on Jokic. I think I think he's uh I think he's Towns level, maybe better. I think he's just, I think he's just, you know, sky is the limit. And Kristaps Porzingis is in that realm, too, for sure. I mean, we got Joel Embiid, uh, Towns, Jokic, Kristaps. I mean, the NBA has got the uh, very, very good crop of up-and-coming bigs that are going to do amazing things. But, honestly, I think Jokic, uh, of that of those four I mentioned, he might be the best.
0: Mm. And I think I, I agree, and I'm I'm so happy that you amped up that oven, man. Because I was worried I was going to be standing alone, <laughs> uh, but great to great to see that we're on the same side there.
1: Okay, well let's let's talk about Joel Embiid, one of the guys I mentioned in that. So, Noah, I got to ask you this: He's played in just one of his of the Sixers' last thirteen games. Yeah. Is it time to be worried about Joel Embiid?
0: Well, I thought from the beginning, when we, you know, saw this guy miss two years to start his career, there should never be a time you stop worrying if that's the case. Like, no matter how great he is, that just shows that he has a history of injuries, and some people, as we know all too well, Chris, are just cursed. And that's my take, is he's a terrific player. When he's healthy, he's absolutely unbelievable. The stats prove it. His plus minus is insane when he's on the court with them. But of course I'm going to be worried with his injuries. Of course I'm going to be worried that what he tore his meniscus and then you know he was dancing at that concert or whatever, that's not a great thing. That's not a great move on his part. So of course I'm going to be worried there. But as we know, when he's healthy, he's terrific. He's one of the best players in the league. Honestly, I believe that. Like He is awesome. But if he can't stay healthy, it's it's just going to be forgotten, all of this.
1: Yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. You're right. I mean, you should never stop worrying about a guy, a cent, a seven-foot center who missed two years because of a foot injury and now has a knee injury. You know, def, you definitely... Man, I'm... I, it just, it seemed like we were starting to turn a corner. It seemed like everybody was starting to buy into Embiid and, uh, being this good player that's going to be around forever. It seemed like everybody was starting to believe it. He's such a fun guy. He's so damn good for how young he is. But yeah, if, I, if I'm the Sixers, I got to be worried. I got to be extremely worried. Um, You think... What are the chances you think they shut and beat down for the season?
0: That's a good question. I didn't even really think about it. But at this point, fifty fifty maybe, honestly. I mean they're not like yeah. everyone's getting excited and they're like, oh, they might make the playoffs. It doesn't look like that right now. It really doesn't. And I just you can't risk it. You really can't.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean they, they've definitely shown the willingness to uh, over-rest players and over-rehab players as opposed to bringing them back early. Okay, so we're just going to get out of here with some rapid-fire stuff because it's been a pretty long podcast. Yeah. Noah, give me your All-Star Weekend predictions for the Taco Bell Skills Challenge, the three-point contest, ooh. and the okay. slam dunk contest.
0: Okay, um... So, as far as Slam Dunk Contest goes, like, I don't know how anyone doesn't root for the D-League guy, right? <laughs> right. So, can I just pick him?
1: Yeah, you <laughs> can I mean, pick like, him, for sure. Re- look,
0: remind me of the name again, I feel bad.
1: Derek Jones Jr.
0: <laughs> yes, that guy, we're gonna ride with him. I actually saw some of his highlights, and, uh, and like, I think he has a chance, I really do. And I think it would be absolutely incredible for him, and I think the D-League overall would benefit so much uh, from the fact if he wins or has a good showing because that that's a that's a product that's actually fairly entertaining if you give it a chance but nobody will give it a chance.
1: Yeah. True. Um okay, so give me your 3 point uh 3 point contest winner.
0: 3 point contest. I'm going with my boy Kyrie Irving. I just okay. love him. I think he's going to lethal shooter and I think he's going to try and uh, that little Warriors-Cavs rivalry will get flown. He's going to try and take that title away from Clay. So we'll go with Kyrie. And then uh, what's out? Oh, skills Challenge. That, that's the one that's stacked, right? We have... Uh, it's literally loaded with, with talent, isn't it?
1: Yes. It's got... I'll, I'll read it off to you. Devin okay. Booker, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid, Gordon Hayward, Kristaps Prazingis, Isaiah Thomas, and John Wall. All right. I, uh...
0: I'm going with Isaiah Thomas.
1: Okay. Yeah. So there's my pick. We'll go Thomas okay, Irving
0: so. and the D League guy, Derek Jones.
1: <laughs> okay, cool. Cool. All right, Noah. And now I want one more prediction from you. Uh, um I as for those of you wondering my predictions, I will be doing my special podcast later in the week with mm-hmm. my with my co host as always, Chris Phillips, for the All Star Weekend. It's a tradition we started three or four years ago, and we're looking to continue it this year. So I, so stay tuned for that one. But, Noah, I wanted to ask you one last question, which was, every year there's a team that makes that push post-All-Star. Who is that team? And if it's a different team, who is the team that you're most interested in watching?
0: Well, you know who I want to say, right? You know I want to say, the Pistons. Especially how yeah. they played the other night. But, I don't know if it is going to be them. Just for all the reasons in the world that we don't have to list right now. I think the team to watch out for, though, is the Miami Heat. I know they lost to Philly the other night. But 13 straight is absolutely unbelievable. I saw this team play live in Chicago about two weeks ago. And it's just absolutely fascinating to watch a team of misfits play so well together. And I've always been on the coach Eric Spolstra's tail and bandwagon and calling him a legend. And I really do think he's a great coach. I would watch out for the Miami Heat if you're not already watching out for them.
1: And I would advise you that you can stay asleep on the Miami Heat. Nah, <laughs> nah. I don't mean to be that mean, but yeah, I just think they're gonna come back down. But they're they're good. They're they're a team that fights hard. You know, they're gonna. They're going to be that team that scratches out and claws out a few wins, but I don't I don't really see them. To me, my team to watch, and you're right, I wanted to say the Pistons. I really, really, <laughs> I really hope. wanted to say the Pistons, But, you know, I I can't do it. There's just too much dysfunction this year for reasons I've already stated. I just think this is a backwards year because they don't have any veterans in the locker and they have a bunch of kids trying to figure out what the hell to do with their lives. And Reggie's um, been
0: awful. Reggie's been yeah. And Reggie, awful. Reggie's
1: just awful, awful. Um, just a terrible, terrible, terrible. Um, and, you know, and and I said it from the jump, not to not to go too far off the topic. But remember, in the beginning of the year, I said you know these type of injuries linger, and I think we're definitely seeing that. That's what's what happened. Uh, that his knee injury, he's not fully healed. I don't think. I think he's playing through the pain. And you know it's lingering, and it it's really affecting his mobility. Mm-hmm. And he already had very limited mobility defensively. Now, granted, that was a lack of desire, but now you combine you combine that with the with the actual knee injury, and he's just atrocious on defense and on offense. He can't get that separation because he doesn't have that speed um, that he and quickness that he normally has. So, anyways, beyond the Pistons, I'm actually really interested in the Rockets. Now I know it's it's fun to pick a team that you know is racing for the a seed. Yeah. But to me, I'm really interested in what the Rockets do because they had such that they had such a hot start and they fell off a little bit. They kind of cooled off. I want to see if they could get hot again, or if they can, or if they're just going to dog it out to the end of the year and end up right around where we projected them to be. Because right now they're going to be, you know, an above fifty win team. Uh, but not really like not really an elite you know uh, not really a, an, an elite elite team but you know a solid 50 win playoff team. Uh, and I'm interested to see if they could catch fire again mm. and maybe reestablish themselves as everyone's still talking to them as that threat to beat the warriors but a few weeks ago to a month ago everybody was saying wow, they actually really could do it. Now it's just yeah I guess if we have to pick somebody they're the biggest threat. So to me, I wanna see if they can kind of they can kind of jump back and kind of reignite that all that conversation, that buzz or if that hot start was just a hot start.
0: i I hope you're right because I do not want to see the Warriors coast through this playoffs. i I, I do not. As much as I said, I, I respect how they play. It's just not entertaining if they go out and they they win four0 in the first round four0 in the second, four one in the third. No, give me what we got last year. Give me a team that will push them to seven at the very least. Maybe it's the Rockets. I don't think it will be, but I'd go absolutely crazy if it was.
1: Yeah. So the Rockets are fun to watch too, so I enjoy watching them. So that's why another reason I'll watch them. But all right, Noah, I want to thank you for coming on. Go ahead and give this opportunity to plug yourself because it's been a while since you've been on my podcast, so fans may have forgotten yeah, where to find it's, you. Yeah, it's, it's
0: been a while uh, in terms of a lot of things for me in social yeah. media world, I've been and, very, and very, not to busy. say we didn't try. Yeah, no, I've not been to very say we busy. Didn't try. No, you're absolutely right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, life takes over sometimes. I, I believe I'm, you know, getting, getting better, getting back to doing things. And, uh, hopefully I'll be back on Twitter more active soon. So there you can reach me at noah Lofman, N O H L O F M A N. And of course, follow, at palace of uh pistons on twitter that's where me and aaron johnson report on the pistons and um yeah any any new podcast or new thing i uh i do will be on that twitter page so uh keep it going and i i'm sorry to anyone who who cared if i was you know a little bit absent for a while uh, i really am but uh hopefully i'll be back and uh and delivering more
1: yeah you'll come you'll come back stronger than ever noah you um, you're always a great guest on this house and, you know, I mean, we could have, we could have had, we could have a whole, we could have a whole series of podcasts that me and you have done that just for whatever reason, technical difficulties have never worked <laughs> out. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I think we finally found our solution and, you know, I'm I'm going to try and get you back on as much as I can. Um, cause you're a great, you're, you're a great guest on the podcast And it was fun joining your podcast, so um, look out for that podcast because it's different. It's a a different lane. It's fun. I I enjoyed being a part of it, and I think that all basketball fans should check that out. So, again, follow him on Twitter, at Noah Lofman, and check out his stuff. And as for me, you can find all my stuff on my Twitter, and my Twitter handle is at crispy 1132 That's C-H-R-I-S-P-Y 1132. What I recently found out is that you can just Google my name, Chris Platy, and that's Platy is spelled P L A T T E. And you could just Google search me and my podcast and my Twitter and my Facebook will all come up. So I guess I could just say Google me now, right? <laughs>
0: yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm really proud of you. You are you're working your tail off and you and you deserve it, man. So keep going.
1: Thank you, thank you. Uh, this is my second podcast recorded today, actually. I just dropped the famous uh, Tupac Shakur uh, classic album review out of nowhere. Those are a fun surprise for my hip-hop fans. So yeah, so if you don't know, somehow, that I also do hip-hop podcasts every Thursday, in addition to the random classic album reviews, which I've explained in the classic album review podcast, so I won't go in-depth there. So yeah, so I do every Tuesday, I do a basketball podcast, and every Thursday, I do a um, every Thursday, I do a hip hop podcast. With the exceptions, you know, um, like later this week, I'm gonna do a podcast with Chris Phillips returning, like I teased earlier. All Star Predictions are our, our annual All Star Predictions podcast, so that will be up sometime Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday before the, before the All Star Weekend starts. So stay tuned for that, as well as another episode of Strictly Hip Hop. So. You're going to have four podcasts Mm. from me this week, a lot of content. And once again, Noah, thank you for joining me on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. I enjoyed
0: it. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Ciscali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Ciscali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Ciscali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Ciscali is right for you.